0: You are listening to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com with an orchard of wisdom just ready for your picking, filled with illuminating, inspiring stories. Do check out the community and the discovery stores. We are here for you. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guest today is Ilana Zeman. Sorry. I am going to put a disclaimer right up there right now for those who do listen to me and you're wondering if it is actually Sarah. It is suffering from a little case of bronchitis right now. So forgive the voice. Um, The content is still going to be great, um, but um, the voice might be a little husky today. Well, we've got a really special show for you today, and it's special because it's my first one, first interview from Toronto, my new home and uh, elana really has done something that's really quite beautiful letters those things that you write on a piece of paper i know we do everything by email or by text or by messenger and every other way today but sometimes taking pen to paper writing down how you feel telling a story or writing to someone a loved one is very very meaningful and seems to be an art that we have lost And it's something that we really should not lose because it's truly very, very precious.
1: So Elana has
0: gone and done this beautiful thing by creating a book called The Forever Letter. And we're going to find out exactly what that means today. But it's also a really beautiful thing of being able to write to people that you love. Maybe they'll get it after you've gone. Maybe you've moved away and it's a letter they want you to open when you're in your new place. Whatever it is, it's heartfelt and something that is shared that only reading the pages can truly be felt. It's not in an email. It's that tactile touch of a piece of paper that really has some meaning and content to it. So why is it so important to us? Well, we're going to find that out today, aren't we? So let's bring on Alana. Her voice sounds damn sight better than mine. (laughs) 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 And we're going to take this journey. Now, I know this is something that's very near and dear to you. And, uh, you know, forever letters, you know, sharing the values and the wisdom and asking for forgiveness and offering forgiveness and expressing gratitude and love. You know, these are all very beautiful things. But tell the tell the audience of how this came about for you, and why this is so important.
1: Uh, this came about for me when I was uh, 14 years old. My dad, also a rabbi, was uh, teaching a class at his synagogue, and it was about these ancient letters that in Hebrew were called sivaot, which were commandments, but they later have been called ethical wills. And they were just letters that parents would write to children to pass on their values and their wisdom. Uh, And so he came home from synagogue one day with... uh, This booklet that this class of his had put together. And no one's names were connected with each letter. It was just a letter. And he handed me this booklet with a little intro to tell me what this was all about. And he said, guess which one is mine? And I went into the den and I read uh, these letters and uh, I found a couple that I thought could be his. I didn't spend time on each individual one. I really wanted to find his. And I went back to find him and said, one of these is it. And he goes, okay, it's this one. And then I went back into the den and read it. And, you know, after having studied ancient uh, ethical wills that are part of this medieval period in in Jewish history, uh, his wasn't quite exactly, it's it's a modernized version. Uh, And it, it wasn't a commanded letter. It was a letter of real love and a letter of, Acknowledging who he was, who he is uh, as a person, and his strengths and some of his weaknesses, all in about eight to nine paragraphs. And as a rabbi who was a rabbi of a synagogue and who people – he was really beloved. He And I just – And people would come up to us, you know, as kids and like, oh, your dad was great. Oh, he did a great funeral. What a beautiful sermon. And we would hear all this positive and wonder like, oh, my gosh, do people think our dad is perfect? And is he not human? You know, this sense of the sense of clergy and holiness, you know. And so when I read this letter, I'm like, oh, wow, here's my father putting himself on the page. And here he is being human and real and honest and there he is his authentic self was right there and it was so meaningful to me i sat there and i just kept reading it over and over and cried and cried and i don't think i actually went back to him and said thank you or said anything i think i just sort of took it in and held it and it was really a a, such an important experience for me uh that i actually i carried this booklet with me you know I've moved many times and it comes with me and every now and then I, I, I go in and I read this letter so the power of that letter and the power of letters in general uh, over the years from so many people and when I was at camp uh, or in Israel studying or wherever I was letters were so meaningful to me uh, that I just began to study those those texts and come up and I came up with this idea of something called a forever letter, which was a little bit grounded in that practice from medieval times. And the idea is it's not just a letter that one would write, you know, quickly and and jot off. It's not just saying what I'm doing today or, or, or what's going on in the family, but it is a letter that shares the essence and the authenticness of who we are. Um, and the forever letter, the idea of it is that, you know, you really... There's an urgency to it. There's an urgency. Uh, there's a sense of what do I most want to say to the people I love about our relationship, about them, uh, about, um, about me, about, our, about this connection. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. And when we write it, we write it with the sense of, hey we don't know what they're going to do with that letter. But our hope is that they will be able to have the feeling that they want to hold on to this letter forever. So we have to be careful, you know, in our tone. And we have, you know, it's a letter we can work on, you know. to get. It's, it's,
0: it's a legacy letter, really, isn't
1: it? Well, it is. I mean, you know, when I think of legacy letters, I think of letters that people often write uh, as they're nearing the end of their life. Uh, but n- not necessarily, uh, or put away. It, it is kind of a legacy letter, in that sense. And but but it's really for anyone to write to anyone. I mean, kids can write to parents, mm-hmm. spouses to one another, uh, children to grandparents, friends to one another, and you know, it, it offers an opportunity to be honest and real with the people we most care about, because sometimes we're not. Uh, And sometimes we don't always show up and say, you know, say the right thing or uh, because we we might not be in the right space or whatever. And it gives us time to actually really think about uh, a relationship. Right. So I think it's different slightly than a legacy letter.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm always saying, you know, when I'm when I'm doing coaching is is, you know, write it down. Um, Write a letter. To a person, don't you know? You're both in, in a in a particular frame of mind. If you speak, there's going to be altercation. Write things down how you feel, reread it, and then really look at it. Is it important? Um, and take out the things that are important, and those are the things you're going to converse about. So I'm really am pro writing on so many different levels. But you know, there's so many ways you can do this letter. A kid's going off to college. You know, and a beautiful letter to your kid on, you know, how much you believe in them, where the future is going to be, you know, something that you want to impart, some wisdom. You can't say it to them because, you know, their attention span is everywhere but. But having that letter when they first arrive at college, something all completely new, or maybe move away to a new area or a new job, I think it's something that's kind of bringing something from home, knowing that that loved one is still with you, um, that feeling of that intimacy of those words that are for you and they become your steadfastness your your rock which to kind of build from so there's so many ways that letters can be really really prevalent in our lives
1: absolutely absolutely i i have uh i have helped people write those very very letters and i think that they're crucial and the the point is you're right it's a touchstone If, you know, college here, the first year of college is really tough. And so when you have this letter that you can, if you're in a bad space, you know, you can open this letter from your Mm -hmm. mom, dad or sibling or grandparent. And you can say, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is grounding me. This is reminding me who I am, even though I'm not finding a friend so readily or whatever it be. So it really is a gift.
0: Yeah. And, of course, people, I mean, we look at migrancy today, you know, people that are moving to different countries and maybe leaving relatives behind. And, again, taking something from that relative with you to a new country, it's almost like taking your history with you, isn't it? You know, um, and that's something that reminds you of your roots and from your roots you can rebuild. So, again, something that's very beautiful to take with you on a journey.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes even if you're just uh, not on a journey and you've had a little discord with Mm -hmm. someone or you find your relationship a little teetering or maybe you said something that, you know, you showed up not in the way you wanted to, it's an opportunity to reach out where the phone or an email doesn't quite feel like it has the weight enough or maybe the person, maybe there's been such a difficult moment that maybe they wouldn't answer the phone. And maybe this the beauty of the letter is that, you know, we as the writer have time to really think about yeah. what is it that we most want to say and to uplift, to uplift the relationship, to uplift the other. And then they have time to really take it in and to read it as many times as they want and to just let it soak in. And that's very different than like, hey, you know, I, I'm calling you about da-da-da, right? It, it, it or has tweeting
0: different- it. there's as many people who don't think before tweeting or texting you know and you know that's that's another thing is i think we become too much of an instant society instant reaction and that sometimes we need to just sit back and think about something and the beauty of writing is that even if you're feeling angst or upset about something you write it out and then you read it out and then you go okay do i really want to share that do i really want to express that i've got it off my chest now and, you know, now I can really write what I truly want to write. So writing is a wonderful way of filtering our emotions and really kind of discovering really what is very important and what is it, isn't it?
1: It really is. I'll, I'll share a story. Um, in one of my workshops, there was a woman, uh, probably at the time in her mid to late 60s, and she talked about how uh, her father had quit being an alcoholic when she was 12, and then he began drinking again seven years later. Uh, at which time he almost died. And she carried this hurt and sadness with her for many years. And over the years, she wrote him many angry letters that she never mailed. And as time passed, she, her anger toward him began to soften. And so one day, she began to just feel, um, she began to feel sort of sad for him. And she began to feel herself moving toward compassion. And so one day she actually wrote him a letter that she mailed. And it was something like this. It was something like, I've been sorting out my life and my being angry with you. I feel sad you missed out on being my dad. I'm sorry you were hurting as much as you so much that you couldn't be there. Right? I'm okay. I forgive you. I love you. Something like that. And uh, she then said that her dad wrote back almost immediately, apologizing that it had taken so long for him to respond. And he said he was sorry. He did. He never said he was sorry. He didn't say much of anything. But she chose to understand his immediate response as an apology. yeah Though so she said also, though when she received his letter, she realized something else, and that was, though she forgave him, uh, he would still have to find a way to forgive himself. But you know, when we when we carry something like that that is so big, uh, oftentimes you know we carry this this hurt inside us that that is. Really, um, it's not good. It's not good. You know, the Mayo Clinic, uh, in their in an article um, that about ten tips for better health says this. They say take conscious steps to forgive those closest to you and yourself. Forgiveness is associated with improved mood and lower stress. Mm-hmm. And this is what many doctors and everything are are really saying. This is what you know. This can kill us. You know, if we carry this. Uh, this heaviness. We have to figure out how to, um, you know, try to uh, reach out. You know, there is a tradition in Judaism that um, that when you're you're in a discord with someone, uh, you reach out to them uh, three times to try to repair it. And if they, after the third time, uh, this is Maimonides, after the third time, then you the onus or whatever is on the other person so you've tried if you reach out three times and try uh, then you can at least feel as if you have done all you could do right
0: and you know it is a two-way street and yes the first one might be just somebody kind of still in the anger mode and you know their pride or their ego in the way and they're not going to respond the second one shifts them a little more and it can either shift them into even more ego and stubbornness, or it can shift them into waking up. Maybe I should respond. And the third time is okay. I'm going to respond. <laughs> so, yeah. You know maybe,
1: maybe not. Maybe they won't respond. Right. But but there's the possibility there, and maybe it will take years. Yes. Um, so that's a possibility too. And it doesn't always have to be the person. It can, you know anyone. It can be the person who hurt or the person who was hurt. Right. It's not anyone can do the first reaching out. It's like it's like opening a door. Opening a door.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I think about kind of writing to people is that very often things get misconstrued, um, which we see all the time. And the assumption is enormous with people. Immediately they want to label or compartmentalize or, you know, and it's not seeing things from the other perspective. Somebody goes and does something, but we don't know what triggered them to do it. What was going on in their lives that they lashed out or they reacted in such a way with you? You know, if. If you could actually write to that person and say to them, look, that reaction did upset me, but I'd like to understand more where it came from. Because how many times do we see enemies where once we're friends and the enemies coming from a misunderstanding that nobody bothered to clear up? And, you know, again, writing to one another invites you to kind of have that dialogue before you can trust the words spoken words and I think it's a wonderful way of bridging out saying I care enough I right. care enough to want to speak to you further about this but let's write it first so we can have a better understanding before we get to the actual verbal dialogue
1: yeah and if people haven't connected in a while in a while or if there's that there's that explosive Thing that happened recently, you know, it's 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 there needs to be the the downtime and sometimes taking in those words, you know, in in private are are easier than having that person with whom there was whatever there was right there, yeah. right? It's, and it gives it this is it's it, it gives us. I mean, writing letters or or it gives us this reflective part of ourselves. It gets us to know ourselves better, not only just about the relationship. And so if we are, I find that, you know, even when we talk to one another, I find that, you know, you can say to someone, oh, how's your day? And they'll be like, oh, okay, how's yours? Okay. And then, okay, that's really a surface conversation. But if you ask someone, how are you, how are you really, right? How is your soul today? What's going on? And they answer from this real space of authenticity and honesty, it then shifts the conversation into a different space and you as the questioner realize wow this is this is a conversation and then you you know you feel you want to put in more and you want to be more vulnerable and I find that when we're when we share in this way of let me really tell you you know who I am and you know what happened and how I didn't show up the way I wanted to or or why this was bothering me or whatever and honestly say it and not condemn the other or put, you know, throw, as you say, Lena, throw our own uh, expectations or judgments on the other, but just kind of take responsibility for ourselves in this way. You know, we can maybe be heard. We can maybe be heard. And we are in this culture today with all of it, with everything going on. It's, you know, we don't hear each other. We We don't take the time to really listen you know it's we're running from one thing to another everybody's we're all so busy and overbooked and it, sometimes you just feel like oh my gosh stop stop you know you need time just to just take
0: a breath take a breath right you know it's it's stop being so reactionary take a breath I mean one of the big problems and I think we have to get to our age before people understand what it is is that we are too busy we're so busy chasing our tails and we actually don't understand the value of silence and being still and the art of doing nothing because in that art of doing nothing, you're doing a great deal. But nobody allows themselves that time. Every single moment is filled with something. And this is, you know, we get overstressed and overextended and over, over everything. And then life just gets too much for everybody. And then they turn to drink. or They turn to something else. Uh, they haven't got time for the relationships. And if you just took a breath and slowed down. Like, to write a letter requires you whether it's pen and hand or whether you're doing it on the computer, it requires you to sit and think and express. And you can't write that letter quickly, even if you type fast, because you have to allow the thoughts to come through you and to understand what it is you're saying, to reread it and look at what you've actually said for you to understand what you're saying. If you don't allow the time to do that and everything is just about a quick fix, you're going to continue to chase your tails for the rest of your life.
1: I I agree with you wholeheartedly. In fact, one of the things that I suggest is that people, when they're done writing the letter, I I provide in in the book that I wrote prompts for people to begin to get started because sometimes people have trouble starting. But what what I recommend is that after they've really written it and kind of edited it, that they read it twice. Uh, One time from the perspective of are they saying what they want to say in the tone and in the way in which they want to say it? Have they, gotten, have they gotten it down? And then to read it again as if they were the person receiving it. Yeah. And how would the person receiving it hear this particular sentence? Would they think it was kind of condescending or would they think it was really uplifting? Right. And because we we can we read so much into mm-hmm. everything. And so how, so when we put ourselves in the other person's shoes and recognize, you know, what relationship we have and what might set someone off or not, you know, is there a different way maybe we can phrase something that might meet the other person more where they're at rather than, oh, this is what we need to say. But how do we say what we need to say in a way that the other person can hear? and that's
0: You don't want trigger points. You don't want something that's going to set someone off or you don't want to be condescending. You don't want to be judgmental. You are expressing a feeling from your point of view. But at no time can it be a pointing a finger at someone. It has to be your inspiration that becomes an invitation for someone to want to connect with you. Um, so I think the first time you write is your angst. You're getting it off your chest. And then you go and look at, well, that's too heavy. I now need to dilute. And really, what is it I'm truly trying to say here without you know, the all guns firing. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes it takes more than twice to go through the letter to kind of get to where you really want. I also say don't send it straight away. Come back the next day and revisit it then. Are you still in the same frame of mind of wanting to say
1: what you want to say? Yeah, I, I often recommend a period of, you know, I often recommend doing some prompts and things, and then I recommend a period of time of putting the letter aside into, a, you know, a file or something mm. and, over about a period of a month, you know, because once you start generating, more things come to you. Yeah. And to just take a little note, make a little note of it, drop it in the file, and then and then you have even more material to, to sort of play with as you write. And just as you said that, you know, sometimes we might be writing a letter that might be an angry letter and we might need a time to, desu- you know, to let it sit. We also might be writing a letter that is like uh, so glorious that it sounds too sweet uh, and and in that case, um, the too sweet is syrupy. Uh, sorry, right? <laughs> what you want is to have to really think more deeply and like, okay, how can I make this more, you know, uh, real? Like, what what is it that I really do want to say? Is there something that is sort of under that um, that I want to just bring up, you know? So it, it just – it enables it to go, like, whatever direction, whatever direction.
0: And I think we also, when we're writing, is that you can pour your heart out, but is that person, you know, especially if it's one of your kids um, – are they able to receive that heart in the same way? Or is it something that kind of becomes a bit either embarrassing for them if it's too, as I say, too syrupy or too lovey-dovey, right? Right. We've got to bear in mind of who we're writing to and that however we want to express ourselves, do express yourself, but maybe um, thin it out a little bit in certain areas. If you feel the other person, you know, is uncomfortable with receiving too much of that, whatever it might be.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, it's it's we learn about ourselves as we write, mm. and at the same time, uh, how we present is key. Knowing the person that we're writing to, so it's both: uh, what do we want to say? How do we say it from our point of view to get across what what we want to share? And also, who are we writing to, and how can they how can they hear it? Because we have to be attentive to that. If we're not, then the letter will just be like, "Oh, all right," and, and that's it. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, I'm I'm a blogger, and um, many many years ago, um, while I was going through transition, going through a divorce, starting a new life, yet again, here I am in Toronto from Vancouver. Seem to keep resetting myself every few years. Uh, it's fun, haha. Um, but I remember- I, ad-
1: I admire it, Sarah. I got it. <laughs> you're, following, you're following something within you that is that is pulling you, and you're not letting yourself just um, you know settle and. Uh, if you're not feeling you know, I mean it's it's it takes so much courage to do that. It takes so much courage to lift yourself up from a place you kind of know and move to a different place because there's something in your soul that's saying, you know, this is not working quite anymore and I need a new I need a new way of being in the world, a new, right. new challenge, a new place, whatever it is to trigger things. I mean, it's courageous.
0: Well, I mean, I had to write my son a letter who wasn't terribly happy about this. Um And I had to write the letter of how just as he was on a journey opening up his new restaurant, I was on a journey that I was compelled to do. And could I give him the nuts and bolts of everything of what I was going to do here, who I was going to meet, when I was going to meet them? No. Sometimes you've simply got to put yourself in a place of opportunity And open up to those possibilities. And we don't know what they look like. But unless we're willing to explore, we're not going to discover. The other thing is, age is just a number. Yeah, it's obviously I came down with bronchitis. So, you know, my body a bit more susceptible than a younger person would be to the changes. Because this is my fifth place in two weeks. (laughs) I finally got a place, but it took five to get here. Um, We have to just understand that life is about expressing oneself and if you feel you're in your arena that you that your expression is not heard anymore or it's just not inspiring you to express we have to seek those new arenas and one of them for me back in 2001 through this transition was um i started writing articles for my brother's online magazine and Mm -hmm. uh, then i went off and opened up my own blog and it's funny going back because you know Facebook does this wonderful thing of bringing up memories and uh-huh. it, and it, and it was just great because it's an old show I can rectify and update and, and sometimes these old articles and I can read them and go who wrote that and see it's my name at the bottom <laughs> right?
1: and it's like
0: hey I was pretty wise when I wrote that and, but I think the this is thing is don't just write to other people whether you're writing a blog or whether you're writing to yourself or your future self is that writing 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 is a wonderful way of letting yourself out that we are so, I don't know, we contain ourselves so much. And very often I have no idea what I'm going to write. There might be just a byline I've seen somewhere. Fingers go to the computer and I just write it out. Grammar, spelling, anything else, corrects later, I just look at what I've written. Because that's coming from a space that needs to be spoken, right? You know, you need to put it out there and then I can understand what it is i'm feeling and what it, what it means to me but writing is just such a wonderful way of really understanding what's going on inside of us
1: absolutely absolutely and that's 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 the whole piece. We really in this in this culture today, uh, we don't allow ourselves that reflective time, and it it really it, it, it it's it's a it's it's a writing, and it's when we write, it's a different kind of listening to our own selves and our own souls. Uh, you know, when we talk, we can listen to ourselves talk, but when we write, we discover things that we might not have known. The pen or the computer will take us to a depth that. We would not have maybe otherwise seen. I mean, you start off a, a letter. Do you know exactly what you're going to say? Or even when you're writing a an essay for school or something or a blog, you know you have an idea in mind. Yeah. But you actually sit down. You know what? Sometimes it just goes in a totally different direction that mm. surprises you.
0: Yes, right? all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's I think that's just a great way of doing it. I've interviewed an awful lot of people where I've come across their blog, and I love what they've written. And, you know, I love what it means. And so I've decided to interview them so we can explore it even further. And, right. you know, like one guy, the blind blogger, um, ended up being, he ended up being, uh, first interview that they ever did was with me. And now he's he does his own and he's out there doing all sorts of things and writing books. We don't know where things can go. And the thing is, is that, I think one of the things we've got to understand in life, there are codes in life of conduct. There are tools and skills that we can learn along the way. And there is an overall map of a direction we can go in. But there is no manual,
1: Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And,
0: you know, people who try and live by this manual are constantly denying themselves their own inner voice or their own creativity.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And how do we listen and how do we have the courage to listen? And, you know, it often is um, sometimes uh, from whatever faith you come, sometimes it is uh, other things in, in ways in which we were raised that feel as if we have to do exactly what was given to us. And uh, it's really interesting to, to pull back and to ask oneself, you know, well, who am I? Who do I want to be? What, what, what is my soul calling out for? And, uh, you know, oftentimes, I I don't know, I've seen this uh, within myself and within others that, you know, if you're not listening to what your soul is telling you to do, you know, your body then chimes in with like, you know, something's something's wrong, you know, something's physically wrong. And it just, you know, there's, there's so many signs that are sort of coming to us that uh, because we lose that, we have lost that reflective place. We don't, we don't even know we sometimes even don't realize that there's this calling that's happening and we, we just don't even hear it. Um, and that's part of this reflective uh, thing of writing and all these other things as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, you come from a long line of, of rabbis and you're a rabbi yourself. And obviously, so you're coming greatly from tradition and tradition obviously means a lot to you. But that doesn't mean in, you know, in each generation that you don't bring your own flavor to it, your own perspectives to it and an expansion out into a better understanding because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's not getting stuck in on everything that has been. It's taking everything that has been and now understanding it and expanding it out in a different way to see it.
1: Yes, and what I I agree with that completely except I would say that I wouldn't say better way. I would just say a way you need to yeah. No, well, not even advanced, but a way uniquely for you. So I can't say better. In other words, this might have worked for someone else, but you know what? This doesn't quite work for me. And how do I, how do I find my way? And how do I not feel? I mean, we're steeped with tradition, right? How do I not feel so? I don't, how do I not feel overburdened? How do I accept what I can accept and and take it in a different way that is the right way for me? I can't speak about anybody else, better, worse, or, uh, or anything like that, but I can say, you know. Ha- authentic,
0: authentic yeah, to you. Authentic
1: yeah. to the person themselves. So yeah. none of us, none of us see things the same way as anybody else. So how, how what I decide to do with If I were raised the same way as like my siblings, right, I might choose a very different path than they would. But that's hopefully we're each trying to find the path that works best for each of us. Exactly.
0: And, you know, that is the thing I think what we're looking at in everything in life is that we always want our children to do more and be more than what we are. And, you know, the opportunities that are there created there for them. But it's, again, their journey. All we can do is give them the backpack of tools in life, uh, understanding the boundaries, understanding, you know, if you're going to push yourself over the boundary, what price are you going to pay? You know, be true to who you are, but always honor, love and kindness to everyone else. We can set them off with those tools and that guidance. But ultimately, we then let go and we just sit back and watch who they become. And it's, uh, we could sometimes tear our hair out and get a few grey hairs of <laughs> the journeys that they take. Believe yeah. me, I've got quite a few with three adult kids. But at the same time, as they suddenly come into being, into yeah. who they really are, yeah. and they, you know, and they, and they go, you know, it's that core of mm-hmm. what you taught them. Suddenly comes into being where they truly value what that core value is and they step into it. So, you know, all we can do is just pray a little harder while they're going through those transitional years (laughs) and, you know, pray that we, you know, everybody comes out the other end okay. (laughs)
1: absolutely absolutely i think you're absolutely right it's really hard uh sometimes those transitions can be hard and then there is the hope that you know you're setting you're setting the stage so that so that at a future point um you know that they will have the tools they need to to move forward and how do we not as parents control right uh what our kids you know oh this is what you should do as opposed Mm -hmm. to what this is interesting. Have you thought about this and this and this? And why did you make that choice? Interesting, right? You know, like, yeah. how did you come to it? What is it feeding inside you? And at the same time, you know, society also throws, it's not just we as parents or grandparents or, or teachers, you know, professors. or it, It's society. Society says, oh, you know, this is what you need to do and this is what you need to be to make this amount of money or whatever. Yes and so to so all of these voices that we hear and and some of them you know we need to hear them some some of them tell us well, this is your strength, and they honor us in that way, and we're like, oh, maybe they help us see something we had not seen, but how do we how do we take those voices the, of the people we love of society as a whole, and how do we hear those voices in a way and give them their place, but also allow room for our own voice, and I think as a, you know, at least as an adolescent, as a young adult, you know, and sometimes even into our, you know, adult years, I mean, I still, you know, what voices am I hearing? What's me?
0: You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. All struggle with this but how do we be as be as you know authentic to that soul call as possible
0: it is you know, a journey of self discovery and you know it, just because we reach a certain age doesn't mean we've discovered everything about ourselves you know we're in that discovery to the day this body passes over um, and again there is no age bracket to you know um, rediscovering or taking a new journey or uh, you know just exploring and trying something new but as we get older, we get a little wiser, hopefully, and you know, <laughs> still waiting on that one. Uh, and but we have more, you know, we trust our instincts more of what what um, we feel we really can do, and as opposed to just the big dream that we think, you know, we have to do. I always one of the biggest problems that you know people have is undoing society's expectations or dictation, mm-hmm. and you know when I get around a younger person it's always please be aware of what those dictations are now and don't buy into them you know you're only going to later on have a redirect that is going to begging you to be authentic and true to who you are and live from the inside out if you do that now Mm -hmm. and choose to do that now and not become part of the drones you know the the walking dead, as I call them in many cases, uh, blindly just following what society tells them to do without any thought or feeling. Um, Somewhere along the line, the universe comes along with a cosmic two by four and wakes you up if you aren't choosing to wake up. So it's stitch in time, right?
1: Stitch in time. <laughs> yeah. uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You're absolutely right.
0: I think encouraging our kids to write too, you know, whether it's, you know, um, on the computer or or whether it's, you know, scribbling or whatever at, at home or their diary or whatever it is, encouraging them to get to express themselves along the way, tell their story, even if they're the only people that are going to read it. I think it's very, very important because it's a wonderful outlet for them in um, expressing because how many people suppress the way they feel because they don't have an outlet. So if you're writing it out, you're releasing it, but you're also seeing it for what it is. And now you can make a better choice as to whether it is important or not important. So we should encourage our kids to write all along the line, shouldn't
1: we? Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I do have to say my son is not a writer. (laughs) He is not a writer, and uh, I have tried. I have tried, but eventually, I think maybe you know we'll see what happens. But it's it, it, it the the value of writing to better understand ourselves and to get off our chest. Yes, what we get off our chest is is terrific. Is terrific.
0: But you know, the other alternative is if people aren't going to write, there is this little audio button on your phone. And you can just speak into it how you feel. Even if it's a five minute thing or two minute thing, you've expressed it, you can go back and listen to it. So, you know, if it's not the writing which will come later, sometimes it's just get the audio out. Let that audio speak back to you. In your what speaks back to you, you hear your tone, you hear the content, you hear whether it's, you know, you're angst or you're happy, and that kind of speaks back to you. So if they aren't willing to write it, okay. Press the audio button and record it. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: true. There's there's actually this teaching in uh, in the Hasidic uh, teachings of Judaism. There was a, a Hasidic master uh, Nachman Bratslav, I believe it was he who came up with this idea of heat which is this kind of just kind of chatting with oneself before one even went into prayer. Mm-hmm. And basically, he he would set time aside, either in his own special place or in the fields. And he would just talk out loud, you know, in his case, to God. But it just, he would get everything out off mm-hmm. his chest. And he would spend time, He he recommended spending this special time each day and having this time to sort of let go of all of that so that when you came to the rest of the day, you could, um, he was a bit like depressed on occasion, uh, but but when you could, you could uplift the rest of your day if you let this stuff out um, and, and then you could move forward. So it's, it's like that same idea of how do we, how do we shed all of the, whatever we're carrying and what do we, what do we, what do we, how do we? successfully letting go uh, so that we can then move forward in a in a better way
0: you know um you see people walking and very often everybody has to walk to get to somewhere right um and if they have the headphones in nobody's going to know they're not talking to someone so you can get out there walk in the streets and just talk and somebody's going to think you're having a conversation with somebody on the other end so um, you know, I know somebody that used to go and jog to this bridge. And Once you got to this bridge, you'd just scream her head off just to get rid of it every day. And, uh, you know, um, I go and talk to trees. We have a great conversation. Um, so, you know, whatever it is, you know, a body of water or whatever it is, go and find that place that is kind of, you know, your little sanctuary, your place where you can release. Mm-hmm. And make sure that you do do that. Make sure you allow the time To do that because if you don't time's going to catch you up
1: yeah i'll tell you that uh i'm switching this a little bit but i was driving the other day and uh the light was green and uh, there was someone like walking across the street and they were dressed in very very dark clothing and it was one person pushing another person in a in a grocery Mm cart, and they both are flicking me off for wanting to drive forward on a green light and they're crossing the street at the wrong point in time and I was just astounded and I'm astounded by the by the anger uh that we that we carry and uh I mean everyone you know the, the everyone flicks everybody off and I think that's a part of what we're talking about right we are carrying if we're carrying yeah. so much of this frustration then you know and we're racing to the next thing and whatever we're just we're just wanting to flip someone off or or be angry and or explode instead, yeah and instead of just you know um i mean even in, in seattle the streets are kind of uh narrow some of them and you know there's you have to actually if, if a car is parked on both sides of the street and you're the car that's driving there's only one space for one car so if there's a car coming from the left and a car coming from the right, they both can't get by each other. Right. And so right. it's nice. What's it's nice? It's nice to sort of wave, pull over, wave, thank the person if the person pulls over. And I am always astounded that some people actually don't even wave to say sort of thank you yeah. for pulling over. And it was like really, it takes a half a second, and you're acknowledging someone for stopping so that you could go. I just think like, isn't there a way to just you know
0: courtesy. You know, yeah. you know, I think it's it's something that we've definitely forgotten in life, you know, just respect and courtesy. Uh, it's the same as if you're opening the door for someone, you know, and they come through, you know, it, a simple thanks or a nod. You know, it's just I acknowledge that you've opened the door for me. And it's why can't we acknowledge each other in gratitude? This is one of the things that is really wrong with the world at the present moment. We've forgotten how to be grateful. We've forgotten how to be courteous. We've forgotten how to be kind. And those are the three things that really guide who we are as a character and as a people.
1: And how much more so do we feel? Like, I don't know. When you do an act of kindness, it just, it makes you feel better inside. It's just, you know, you know, we've all had those moments. Someone just sort of, uh, you know, reaches out or smiles and you realize, like, you're not smiling. Like, wow, thank God that smile came at the perfect time. Right. And those those little pieces of just sharing oneself in a, in a kind way. I mean, we have no idea how meaningful that can be to someone um, who might be having like a terrible day yeah so it just and it uplifts us I don't know it uplifts me if I do an act of kindness for someone I had something like a few weeks ago where I I wake I woke up on the wrong side of the bed and I was just like I was annoyed about a few things and I'm just like I did not like being with myself that day I was Mm. like this is not good I don't like myself now I got to figure this out and I didn't know exactly all the pieces that were going on I was very busy and and at some point there was someone that was, you know, I was getting a cup of tea and someone was uh, that I met was getting a cup of tea and I just purchased the tea for her. And she said, oh, wow, that's so great. And she had just recently moved to Seattle. And, and so it was like this, well, welcome to Seattle kind of thing. But, but you know, and she was grateful to me, but she had no idea that my doing this um you know helped me shift my day that i could that i could give even if i couldn't give to myself at that moment and get, turn my whatever by doing that i really um you know it i could go on in my day in a much better way and so i don't yeah. think people actually
0: understand the gift to us in giving to others um you know it's When you're able to help someone else, be of service to someone else, or make someone else smile, just do even a kind gesture of how it makes you feel. And, you know, some people, oh, well, that's self serving. Well, yeah, you know, if helping someone else makes me feel good, then I'm happy with being self serving. Right. Right? Because I feel good. They feel good. All of that now starts rippling out because they then make somebody else feel good. And all of a sudden we got yeah, this wonderful positive domino effect. I'm exactly. very happy to be
1: self serving. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. In fact, this woman said to me, she goes, Oh wow, passing it forward. Now it's my turn. Exactly. And I'm, I- Cool. Like right, you know, just someone notice it's it's like noticing. Someone notices you. Someone yeah. sees you. And we don't we don't see we don't we don't listen sometimes. We don't see one another. And I'm guilty of it just as much as everybody else, right? I, I'm walking along the street, I have to get to a meeting. Do I do I take in everything? And there is so much sensory stuff going on. I probably can't or else I would um, you know, collapse in the street. But but do I really um you know it's a wake up I mean these things are like wake-up calls um and when we do when we do like when we're when we're able to just pause we can have such a different experience and take the world in in a different way than we can if we just are racing and as you said before you know these this time it allows us to to really um you know, interact with the world in a different way like it calls out i was once walking on this uh uh, i was it was new to seattle at the time and i was checking out this new neighborhood and it wasn't like me to just take a day or take two three hours and just go walk in a place and i had no reason to do it except to get to know the new place i was in there wasn't a purpose and i usually need a purpose but i i did it and it was like the most amazing day because i didn't have to actually be somewhere i Mm -hmm. could just Focus on whatever I was doing and whoever I was interacting with, and um, and I, you know, I remember several things from that day in particular because I was so attuned to just experiencing and not having to run from one thing to another, and to the world spoke and 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 experiences came my way that you know might not have otherwise come if I were running
0: exactly I mean this is the point isn't it is that I mean since I've been in Toronto I've been this is my fifth place I had four different temporary places before I found this more permanent place uh, and and, in four different neighborhoods so I just got out there and explored you know Mm -hmm. and kind of saw what was around there and kind of felt the neighborhoods that I liked and a new ones that i didn't want to live in and just seeing the different types of people and for me it came from i am this i'm in canada you know um vancouver toronto we're all in the same country but my goodness in a lot of ways i'm in a totally different country here you know the architecture is like that i'm back in little england I mean, mm-hmm. this is like I could be in my old hometown that I was brought up in. Um, you know, the, the cosmopolitan of people here, I could be very well in the States. It's mm-hmm. just showing just from different places, you know, we are all Canadian here, but because of our different provinces, different states in America, we're all going to interact and experience life in a different way. Now, imagine if we all get together and share what those experiences are, how enlightening and how exciting it is to each other.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And even to just to take from from the the moving, like your recent move and, and just moving in general, or taking a vacation somewhere very different. I mean, our senses are, are awakened in different ways. And sometimes there's, a you know, there's a settled uh, kind of curmudgeony feeling if we're same thing, same thing, same thing, when we shift, even if it's just going, you know, um, you know, maybe to the ocean, which is might be for someone, you know, uh, an hour or two hours away. But but there's something that can shift when yeah. we yeah. when we put our mind to just saying, you know, change a change, and it it it's powerful. It's very powerful. What's the
0: old uh, saying? A change is as good as a holiday. So, you know, uh, you know, sometimes we get caught in a rut. and you know, that's one of the reasons I moved is that I noticed that my life was entirely the radio station and I had no life outside of it. And uh, I realized that the only way I was going to shake that up was to literally shake me up in a totally different arena. And sometimes we have to do that. We have to go, you know, like I think one of the worst things in our own lives is to become complacent. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when we kind of become complacent with something, it's stuck in a rut and, you know, this is it. um, We're denying ourselves, you know, all that life has to give and all that we have to give life. So, you know, for me, uh, writing as you know, I do the blogging and very often do an audio over what I've written. Um, It's a way of, of shaking me up and waking me up sometimes as to, you know, where I'm at and where I need to be and helps propel me forward. So in whichever way one is going to write, it's just express, right? Express because you're telling yourself a story as well as you're, you know, telling somebody else a story.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So your book, um, which I think everybody would be a great Christmas gift to give to people um, because I think this is something I really would encourage people to learn how to do, you know, to write that letter and to understand the impact uh, that it can have on a person, not just the first time they read it, but the time and time again they can read it. So how can they find this book? What actually do you have in it?
1: Uh, so the book uh, is called "The Forever Letter: Writing What We Believe for Those We Love," and it's a book that tries to say, "Hey, um, letter writing is important," and to convince people about why maybe they w- w- might want to think about doing it and the benefits from from so doing. Um, also, things to think about uh, that might be an addition to letters that they might not have thought about adding in, uh, how to write to be heard, what to avoid. There are certain things, I think, that need to be avoided uh, in letters. Uh, For example, a commanding tone and um, secrets um, are also something that uh, are not appropriately shared in letter form. For a variety of reasons, I talk about that. But I I also talk about different uh, what matters to us most and throw out some ideas on, on that. Uh, to get people to stories and 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 things guidance I've gotten along the way from workshops I've led and from different uh, literature and philosophy that I've read so it's all a kind of compendium and then there's a a section on uh, you know writing prompts and to get people going because sometimes people feel a little bit like intimidated if they're not writers or they don't usually go to writing as a way of of communicating. Uh, so there's, there's that whole piece as well that people can, if they're, ah, I don't know, there, there, there are prompts to get people to get people moving. Yeah. And I, what I'd say is that even though it's a book about writing letters, what, what people have said to me is, you know what, this is, this is really, this is meaningful to me. And it is a book about writing letters, but it's also a book about communicating. And mm-hmm. if I don't write a letter, I have still learned something from it. And even if in the workshops I've led, someone recently said to me, uh, I, don't, I don't know if she's read the book yet or not, but she said, you know, after today, I have had a different experience. You know, I normally get together with my mother, you know, each week. Uh, and she's, I guess, you know, she's, an, you know, the, her mother's a little of an older woman. And I don't know what, it, it sounded like there was some sort of uh something going on between them, it wasn't an easy relationship. And she said, after this, doing these exercises in this workshop, you know, I am, I have a choice. And I think that I can spend, you know, the time with my mother in a very different way. And so I'm not sure if I'll write a letter to her. But I know that this time of ours can change. And I can do that. Right. And so she's grateful. So, it, you know, it, it, it can be you know and someone might not not be ready to write but but still there are pieces i think that are that are helpful in terms of how do we how do we how do we you know communicate how do we talk to the person next to us what and to remind us you know who are we and who do we really want to be in the world and can we do that because if we can figure if we can write and figure that out or if we can talk and figure that out um then we are going to be healthier because of it
0: and of course, no age group uh, barrier on this at all. This could be, you know, anybody that's literally started writing, you know, 12 and, and up, uh, because it's it's not a, a rich, you know, just for the age of people writing, you know, their, their legacy letter. It is for any situation, uh, for anyone going through any age group whatsoever. So it's... A really good, if you have to buy a gift for someone just for the family, like you're buying a family gift, this is a really great book to do. I think encourage everybody in the family maybe to write a letter to each other. Wow, what a concept. Different form of <laughs> communication.
1: <laughs> there, was a, there was a great story that one woman told in a workshop years ago, and she said their family had a tradition, and it was a birthday tradition that every year uh, everybody in the family wrote to everyone else in the family letters and the youngest in the family or whatever, even if they couldn't write, they were supposed to draw a picture. And so, and they still do this. And so mom and dad letters and sibling letters they have from the time they were, you know, born essentially. And so it's this amazing thing. Imagine having that. Imagine having, and it was, it was, it was suggested. It wasn't like just, Oh, write a card. It was a real letter, a real letter, like of, you know, what do you mean to me? That kind of thing. And so imagine having this, this huge box of letters that you could go back to from your family and how each person sort of saw you and what the relationship was like at each year of your life. I mean, what a, what a gift that is. Yes. And she said that the present, whatever presents, you know, okay, we gave presents. But our parents made us see that the letter was the most important gift that we could ever share with one another. And that's a wonderful tradition, you know, to bring in maybe it's holiday time or birthday or whatever it is like what, you know, we get these holiday cards in the mail, you know, sometimes and sometimes it's just, you know, it's sometimes this um, just card that someone signs at the bottom, or it's sometimes people put in what's going on with the family, which is very interesting and fun, because we get to connect with what's going on with the family. But sometimes I wish there was more depth Yeah. uh, so you know what what is it that i really want to say here as i'm approaching this time it's not just to say oh this is what's going on in my family but what's going on with me right uh so it's it's a great opportunity
0: yeah exactly and uh, uh, a great opportunity for you folks now this christmas season to you know maybe give a letter to every one of your family members um, you know of gratitude or of love or even of you know um, what you're going to be doing in the new year or uh, inviting them to be a part of it I mean as you said everybody gives these presents people open them up toss them aside uh, but you know that letter will be one that won't get thrown away it'll be read over and over again so maybe this Christmas a meaningful letter especially if you're not there you know, instead of just a Christmas card with your name on the bottom or a Christmas text, how about sending a Christmas letter? And uh, imagine how that's going to be received. So, <laughs> a hell of a lot better, I can promise you folks. So, <laughs> so where do they buy the book, love?
1: Uh, the book can be bought online online. Uh... Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and directly from the publisher Llewellyn Worldwide, uh, and some bookstores I think might be carrying it. But online, it's uh, it's definitely available. Excellent.
0: So, um, and your website, and how people can get hold of you, and what services you offer.
1: Uh, So I am at just uh, www.elanazaman.com. And it's E-L-A-N-A-Z-A-I-M-A-N. And the website is pretty clear about workshops that I do and different speaking things that I do, but also a little bit more about me and how I came to to this and some other volunteer stuff that, that I'm part of. So you gave a little more sense of, of who I am, at least.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely, because uh, even here on the blog, um, you're going to see, you know, a, a short bio of her and all the amazing things that she has done and doing and the journey that she's taken there. So I do encourage you to go and look at this and look at her site and, uh, and see what more is there. And, you know, it's, as I said, the writing, I mean, I, I'm partly dyslectic and I can't even read my own writing so writing became a thing for me when I first got a computer where suddenly I could actually you know cut and paste and, and edit easily and actually read what I've written and that's became my freedom and discovery uh, to be able to write so we're not saying to people that you know pen to paper um, it could be you know computer printed out send it uh, if it has to be by an email, that's okay. It's like something they've got there. They can print it off if they want. But it's just writing something that's endearing, that they're going to always keep, that comes from the heart. Um, and that is something that they're going to treasure. And I think it's really, really important because, as you said, there's so many forgotten people out there. We just want to know we count, that, uh, mm-hmm. that we care, that you hear us, that you know that uh, there's a love there. And uh, one of the better ways to do it is that personal letter.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sarah.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for putting up with the voice. Uh, The
1: voice, the sniffles in the back. I'm I'm thinking, thinking, Sarah, I want to just make her a cup of tea and put her into bed.
0: (laughs) I I am actually doing this interview from bed. So (laughs) I'm halfway there. (laughs) Now the chicken noodle soup, right? (laughs) Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Alana. This has been wonderful and uh, truly a wonderful Thing that you're doing here with encouraged people writing, folks. Please, this is a beautiful gift to give to someone. Um, let's make writing something that our way of expressing to be more relevant and prevalent today because you know we're, we all need to express and we're losing our ways to do it in this multimedia type thing today. So, simplicity, uh, pen to paper, text to, to print, just. Get those words down there and mean it from the heart. You'll be surprised how it's going to surprise you. So thanks very much, Alana. Thank you so much. And to everyone else, I wish you a wonderful festive season and plenty of gifts here for you to give away. And one of those is that book. Buy it, give it a gift. And I promise you, not only will you be a better writer, but other people are going to get inspired to write to you. Isn't that a wonderful gift in itself? Until next time, folks. Bye for now.